Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Into the Spotlight. I'm Morley. And I'm Ryan. Today's guest is someone that is by far one of the most innovative and dynamic individuals that I know, whose name is just as awesome as his creative journey. Not only is he a storyteller, artist, and a filmmaker, but he is also a pioneer that is exploring storytelling and artistic expression through new technologies. Please join us in welcoming my good friend, Awesome Chroma. Hi, Awesome, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm speechless because of your uh, introduction. I don't know what to say, but thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate that. It's just trying to capture, I mean, it's almost impossible to capture like everything that you do. I mean, you're someone that we met each other during our master's degree at Ryerson. And yeah, just learning about who you are and your background. When I first heard you were a filmmaker, I was all inspired. I'm just like, oh, I need to know or learn as much as I can from this guy <laughs> as much as possible. But like learning about your entire creative background is just really amazing, inspiring, seeing the work that you've done, the interest that you have. It's just really incredible. I appreciate it. That's very kind of you. But um, um, it's always uh, mutual learning. We always learn from each other. So it's not like... Yeah, and when you figure out what I'm doing, please let me know because I don't know what I'm doing. I just keep exploring. <laughs> so it's the whole exploration. Um, but yeah. So. Yeah, but I think the exploration is always so fun. That's what that whole year was like for Ryerson for me. It's like that entire year meeting amazing people such as yourself and our other classmates that we had and the classes that we had and the access to all the technology, which was really fun <laughs> with to have all those tools. That was amazing. So you know, it's not something you can plan. It's just something that you just do and you explore and you learn along the way. And that's what makes all of these creative journeys so fulfilling. Yeah, I 100% agree. Because for me, it's it's not about really setting goals and all of that. It's They are very important parts of the, of the whole process. But for me, it's more about being present, being observant learning um, by observing things and getting inspirations uh, through that um, I, like one of the things that I really loved about Ryerson's I've done like you know I've done the first degree and then the second one um, the second one I was focused more on robotics physical computing and then how to use that into storytelling so the whole, you know, mix of different backgrounds, different interests is, I think is very important for our creative process. And that's why I enjoyed it so much. It was quite intense and quite fast, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. Fast is one way to put it. Like I spent the whole month of June last year inside my dorm at my residence, just editing my whole documentary on this like laptop that I was working on. Terrified every day. It was just going to burst into flames at any moment because there was so much footage and other files on it. But it, it was amazing. And if I could do it again and repeat it, I would. Um, and just going into that, because you mentioned like you were went to experimenting with robotics like when i first heard that i just thought what how that's just it just seemed overwhelming to me but like you went out and you did that and just to go back like when your first beginnings as a storyteller as an artist when you were first developing and learning about all these different areas of storytelling and art that you want to do especially because you told me like how you were really interested in doing experimental film what were those early experiences like for you what were those some of those lessons and challenges that you learned along the way especially in regards to independent in the independent filmmaking that you were doing 
Um, okay, the question is about my recent explorations or earlier. Your 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 earlier, like you know, what was it like when you're first beginning, and like how did you come into developing these interests in storytelling and art? Like, what was what got you started along that path? Was it someone that inspired you, an activity that you were introduced? What was that like? That's that's a long journey. I started very young, um, and it's because of my mom, who's an accomplished artist herself. She uh, she was a painter. She's still actually a painter, but not as uh, active as she used to. And she actually, she's the one who really encouraged me to explore who I am, explore what I'm interested in. And so she got me involved in different activities, including writing classes as as a kid, including acting, including um, uh, reading clubs and stuff like that. And the the thing that really started making me getting interested in the whole idea of storytelling was reading. Very beginning, that I was like I'm talking about me being six, seven years old. And then I wrote. Um, a series of stories that won an award at the time. Nothing prestigious. Oh. It's like kids kind of <laughs> award and they yeah, got I published. Um, <laughs> I, got, I got one of those as well when I was seven. Yeah, so I'm so proud of it. I love those. Uh, I think they're important for kids. And mm-hmm. uh, from there, I, uh, I started like you know, developing more interest in different types or different forms of storytelling. Um, I started with theater. I acted a lot as a kid. I even appeared on, um, I was at the time living in UAE, so I was um, acting in lots of kids' shows in, on TV. And then I started developing interest in film, and then it kept developing. It's a, it's a long journey. So at each stage, I had things that really encouraged me and really challenged me, which is the word I, I like to use, um, challenged me to to explore myself more and to explore what I can give. Um, I don't know if it answers what you were asking me about, but yeah, that's... Uh... Well, I mean, one thing I've noticed, like you, like knowing you and going just on your website and how you, you know, describe some of your passions and the activities that you've done, you've always described it as your awesome journey. And, you know, everyone's creative journey, like all the people that we've interviewed on the show and just people that we know in our lives, each person's creative journey is so unique and so different but it's always so fascinating to learn about especially to learn about what inspired people to just go for it to just do it without any sense of like an end destination but you just do it because you love it so we yeah just want to delve more into your awesome journey and just some of the things that you encountered along the way because like you've done everything like you mentioned from robotics to acting to all different types of storytelling across a variety of mediums I mean, there's just so much to get into, but that's why that's why we're doing this because we want to learn more about it because I think you're a really interesting figure and, you know, especially with all the research that you're doing now. I mean, because, like, to do all those different types of activities, some people would feel really, you know, apprehensive about that. They would feel kind of, you know, some people can have crippling self-doubt in regards to those, to those things, but you didn't seem afraid to go out and do all those things. Like, you've acted in short films and everything else. I love your short film, T for Tango. You, I remember you because we were talking about that the other night. You showed that to me when we were at Ryerson, and I can't wait to see it when it's released because you showed that to me. I just thought, oh, that is so amazing. That is so well done. That is just thought, like that's what I want to do. I want to do stuff like that. Stuff that's passionate. Oh, humble. I'm very humble. Thank you. Um, the thing is, this is exactly what I do 
why I do what I do because I do it to inspire. I don't. I do it to explore myself, to connect with others. This connection is a big part of what I do. And for me, I don't believe there is there are right or wrongs, but there is always doubt. And I believe the strongest, uh, or not the strongest, it would be um, the core of any faith or any belief in general, faith in yourself or belief would be doubt. And that's how I how I see it. I've, I'm always doubtful of myself. I always question what I'm doing. I always question. And I and that's why I receive critique and I accept it. And I actually appreciate it. Compliments don't make me... I, maybe it's wrong, but I don't really appreciate compliments as much as I appreciate critique because that's how I'm going to develop. Maybe it's good to to accept compliments to a certain limit, but I, I always worry about my ego because in our creative process, if we get into our egos, into our heads, then that's the death of, of our creative journey. And as I said, for me, I, I label it my awesome journey because it's a journey. It started long and like, it's interestingly at some point it was gonna end and then somehow me being open to explore things brought me back. Um, as I mentioned, I started early and then I, I stopped because we start thinking about life, about earning living, and about. Unfortunately, our artists are so under undervalued in societies because of the whole, you know, all like everything that's surrounding us. Science is more accepted, more appreciated, while I believe arts are a very crucial part of any society or development of any society. So I started thinking of. Uh, I'm going to earn a living. I got into my original like degrees, my, my bachelor's. Uh, I have two bachelor's, one in management information systems and the other one in information systems engineering. They are so far away from my creative uh, uh, interest at the time, but that's how I thought at the time. But now I realize that they were, you know, integral part of it. And then... I stopped for like five years. I didn't do any acting. I stopped writing. I stopped everything. I was like, I have to focus on my career. I have to have a proper, proper job because that's what the society understands that you need to have a proper job because artists don't get, don't get paid properly. They are not valued as, as, as any other professionals, um, at least at the time or the, where I was at the time. But then I did. Big part of me is is teaching and, and and knowledge mobility, sharing what I know. And I was doing a certification, and one of the trainers was like, "You know what's the best thing for you as a teacher is to go to into, into an acting class." And I was like, "Acting class, hmm. maybe okay. It sounds good, actually. Why not? I'm, it's been a while. I didn't do it. I'll do it this time for acting." And I remember it was like eight weeks intense course. You go through uh, exercises and stuff, and then you deliver a monologue on an actual stage by the end of it. I remember being in the spotlight. When I was in the spotlight, I had goosebumps all over my body. I was like, this is where I need to be. I was like, I can't stop. Since then, I never stopped. Um, it just felt like this is where I should be. This is where I am supposed to be. You know, It's part of who I am, and I can't deny it. So I kept doing, you know, everything that I was doing, but then I integrated my creative process into everything, creative endeavors and stuff. 
so yeah, and after that, I kept acting and started acting day and night and doing hundred classes at time. I don't know now if you, I, I look back at it and I'm like, how did I manage to do that? Sleepless nights <laughs> and, you know, commuting at the time I was living in Abu Dhabi, in Abu Dhabi, but most of the work for actors was, you know, was in Dubai and the commute is like 160 kilometers. So I had to oh, drive nice. it back and forth every day. Wow. So that was my daily commute. Just after I finish my working hours, I get into the car, I drive, I do that, I go back and I had full time job. And it was a challenging job because I was in a very senior position. At some point, I was looking after 35 schools around UAE, okay. leading a, a team of 100 people while doing this. So it was, it was a very interesting stage in my life, but I think I wouldn't be here if I didn't go through that. And I love that experience. Then after I, I did that, I kept acting. But then because of how I look and the type of stories delivered in that region, I didn't really fit the stereotype of what they're looking for. So I started thinking of telling my own story. So I started writing again. I was like, I wrote before. Why not? I got into writing and I started writing stuff and talking with directors and and they were like, yeah, and we started shooting stuff based on my writings and so on. But then I started writing stories that I felt like I'm not telling the story I want to tell. And I don't fit that story. And that's how my interest started, you know, um, increased into like being a filmmaker, not just an actor. That's how I shifted because storytelling was the drive of my interest. And I was like, OK, wait a minute. I don't I don't want to act this role this part of the story. I want someone else to act it. And that's how I got into it. I got into film and then I was like, wait a minute, I don't need to write. I can also observe. And so I get to getting into documentary and so on. And it's a whole accumulation of things, just being open to opportunities and, you know, to what ifs. Yeah, it was a real snowballing effect of how, that's incredible when you just talked about that story where you going on stage and acting being under on a stage under a literal spotlight just like awakened or just reignited your passion for storytelling again that's incredible and how it led to all those things i didn't realize i thought you started as a filmmaker first then went to acting after i didn't realize it was acting writing then filmmaking and especially Mm -hmm. since like technical knowledge that you have because filmmaking is the perfect convergence of the arts of literature of theater in combination with technology so you were perfectly suited to explore all those areas. And as that snowballed into different experiences and other projects that you've worked on along the way. And how old were you when you were going across all doing all these things, going across the UAE and Dubai, doing all this stuff? Around 24, 25 years old, I think. Uh-huh. Incredible. Yeah, was, yeah. And I still remember. So I'm curious. How... Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go on. I was just uh, saying that I remember that car. I had a Camry at the time. <laughs> I actually canceled the car by the end, and it had 600,000 kilometers. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how the car was moving by the end of it. But... <laughs> that, is, that is crazy. But it's my favorite car. I, I have so many. I even, actually, I don't know if you saw Paradise Falls. I'm acting that movie. You see my car in that movie. It's my actual car. Oh, oh my gosh. That's incredible. <laughs> it's it speaks to uh, the quality of Toyotas. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's actually we should be sponsored. Sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, how did you then find your way from this back and forth between Abu Dhabi and Dubai to going to Ryerson with Ryan? Um, how did that kind of how did those two things get linked? Okay. Um, the, the interesting part is, yeah, there are so many in-betweens. You know, it's a small incremental steps. All my journey has been small. That's why I call it an awesome journey. I've never planned this far ahead. I always have a goal, an end goal. I'm, I'm a good planner when it comes to good uh, the end goal and not waste my time so much in details, but then have those like milestones in-between. Um, from there, like big part of why I moved to Canada is like I wanted a place because I've been traveling all my life. So I want a place where I call home. I wanted to feel like I belong. I want to feel like, yeah, so wherever I travel, this is my home. This is where I come back. And because I've traveled around, I'm, my the way I think is very multicultural. So I don't fit easily into any any society. And that's not to judge any society. It's just I needed a society where it's very multicultural, very acceptive, you know, accepting of different ideas and stuff. And I can keep observing and learning from all of those cultures as a creator. And that's why originally I was going to Australia, but then a close friend of mine kept pushing me to come to Canada. And I was worried about the snow, but now I love the snow. Interesting. <laughs> oh, that's great. So I came here and then... I wanted to, I moved to, to London. I bought my house here. And originally I, I moved to Vancouver, but then I moved to London because everyone was telling me it's like it's closer to Toronto because of the, the film industry is more focused now and more, it was at the time shifting more towards uh, Toronto. So I wanted to be nearby, but I didn't want to be in another big city. So I decided to go to London. I bought my house, I stayed here. And then I was like, how am I going to access the community? There is no way for me. I was like, okay, why not do another graduate certificate in filmmaking? And the program is well known here in Fancha. So I decided to go there. I went there and I, while studying and everything, it was a beautiful journey as well. It was one year. I'm, I'm specialized in one year programs, I guess. Uh, <laughs> So I, I I went through the program, it was a beautiful program. And then I was like having conversations with um, with my mentors there. And one of them pointed me towards Ryerson. That's how I just thought like, okay, Ryerson is not, it's not a bad idea. And then I'm actually in Toronto. And that's how I, I, I decided to go for that master's. And what was that master's at Ryerson in? Because I know Ryan's was media production. It was the same. Was it, a, it was master's in media production. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, you also did I, another one, right? Yeah. I when I, okay because the last module we had in that program, I, I was doing was in VR, virtual like three hundred and sixty right. film. At the time, they called it VR, but more accurately, it should be called three hundred and sixty. Now that I'm I'm learning it, like as as a researcher. Um. So I it was about three hundred and sixty, and then they had that program about digital media, and um, I was like, yeah, they have. Uh, Masters of Digital Media, I should go for that, for it and, and, and try, you know, see what I can do with VR. And I went for it. And then one year wasn't enough for me. I went for another year with Masters of Media Production. And uh, yeah, and then in the first one, I focused on future cinema. And um, 
the use of extended realities in storytelling. And then in the second one, I focused on haptics and uh, and more accurately wearable haptics. What exactly is extended reality? Oh, that's a that's a okay. Extended reality is a, is a term that is emerging nowadays. It's do you know what's virtual reality? Yes, but I I feel like my layman's knowledge of it might be wrong. Okay. So when I think virtual reality, I think like an Oculus Rift playing, walking through a landscape and you're trying to get as close as you can to feeling like you are in that world, walking through it and interacting with it. But it's mostly happening uh, through accelerometers, sensing your position and a screen over your eyes and maybe some headphones. Yeah. I'm going to put you the, the actually technical definitions. I'm just going to democratize the definition and just say it's 360 display and you project um, graphics on that, computer-generated graphics. So VR is when the whole thing is, is computer-generated. You have augmented reality, AR, when it's parts of um, computer-generated graphics are imposed on the uh, reality. But then they got into the term, which is mixed reality, hmm. uh, which is mixing the actual reality with those projected graphics. But then people start saying, okay, what's the difference between augmented and mixed then? And then you got into the picture uh, wearables, augmentation through wearables, where you have haptic feedback. Mm -hmm. And because you can't really identify all of those under VR, AR, or MR, they started thinking of, okay, why not call all of this XR? And it encompasses everything. We don't really need to divide them that much. But because it's a very new technology, it keeps developing. This is like the latest term right now. So when I started, XR wasn't uh, that common. But now it's the most common way of referring to things. Interesting. So I don't know if, okay. I, if I really, if it's cre- clear or I... Yeah, no, it's yeah. very clear. It's clear that you are building the matrix. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but no, it's, I mean, that's incredible because like, like your interest in this new media research and virtual reality and mixed reality and augmented reality, these are new frontiers of artistic expression or that they could be down the line. Like I remember exactly five years ago around this time when I was just starting my undergrad university, I went to this um, digital new media sort of um, expo going on in Montreal I went with a few classmates and there was this one with VR. Now VR was just like, this one was just starting to get out, be really big around this time. So like me and a classmate, me and another girl, they took us into two separate rooms where they put on the VR and they don't explain anything. They just say not to freak out. So we go, they put it on. There's just a mirror in front of us. They turn it on. I'm seeing her perspective in the other room and she's seeing my, my perspective and basically asking us to, understand each other and like the way we're looking it's it's really weird and then slowly they tell us to get up and they direct us and they pull the curtain back in front of us where the mirror is and we can see each other but from each other's different perspectives oh my gosh that is wild and then we just slowly walk together until like we hold hands or like just be able to hold on to each other it was one of the most interesting profound experiences and that kind of reassured me the feeling like okay this is the right path that i want to do my studies in. it was just such an amazing experience and that was five years ago and now 
I mean, this like technology has advanced so much. Like, you know, awesome. There was a few workshops in our classes where we saw different types of like VR and 360 degree films and such. I mean, based on your prior filmmaking projects before that, like what, what were the other types of projects as you were studying this new field? What did you see like new types of projects and storytelling and different types of formats could this lead to? Um, the thing is, like the the project you've just mentioned is one of the very well known projects, and it's one of the most interesting for me. Yeah. Um, there are so many ways of of um, using the whole, you know, new generation of technology into storytelling. It just, I always think, what's meaningful, you know? Like we can use it so many ways, like. And the the interesting thing with technology, it's not always built for storytelling, but then as a creative person, it's interesting to figure out how we can use it. For example, I was attending VRST 2020 recently. And one of the projects that I really loved was um, using um, an AR application to omit things from the environment. At this, at the, right now, you can do only for... Um, what do you call it? Uh, um, for things that don't move. For I forgot the word. For, for inanimate, inanimate objects. Or inanimate something. objects. Yeah. So, right. because motion is is problematic right now to track, but just the potential of you being able, with a you know with a press of a button with a with a click, to omit something from the environment is very interesting for me. It's like very okay. What can I do storytelling wise to make you you know disappear from the environment around us. Um, and one important thing I want to highlight, um, I missed when I was uh, talking about uh, XR, there are two types. There is the immersive, which is a headset, and there is the um, handheld or computer-based. Um, so now it's it's not only when you wear a headset, it could be also using your mobile phone or using your mm. computer. All of that falls under uh, XR. Um, Sorry, what was your question? You were asking me... Well, yeah. just like in terms of like the potential for these new types of technologies and these new mediums to really push as to what sort of artistic expression could be. Because just the reflecting back on that experience I had with the VR headsets five years ago was just like the way it just flipped my perspective upside down. Like I had never done anything like this before. And it was totally different just in terms of perspective and just, you know, from a just feeling of having your perspective completely warped that way and being able to rely on somebody else, you know, so you could walk across and meet each other halfway across the room with these things on. It's just so, I'm just, I'm just amazed by the potential of it. And since you're studying this field, just because I know you're very interested in artistic expression. So like, how do you see, what are some of the projects have, that you've seen or that you think that could arise down the line with that? Um, for me, the th the biggest part of, you know, utilizing those technologies as using their affordances. Now, one of the mistakes that I always see that people try to use whatever they know on a technology that's new, because it's the easiest way to explore the technology or to experiment with it. Now, for me, I love to focus on the affordances first, learn the technology as is, you know, without even trying to think storytelling. And then, okay, after now, after knowing all of those affordances, how can I take, what can I take from those affordances and use it in, in, a, in my creative um, uh, creations? 
So two of the biggest affordances in uh, VR, XR in general is immersion and presence. Uh, immersion is like when everything looks so high quality, it's technical based and presence is when you feel that you are there. Hmm. And f for me, just the, the whole idea, because now we are, we've been going through different stages of developing what's called the participatory culture where the audience likes to be you know they they like to be part of the whole narrative so the whole idea of bringing you into the middle of my story to be part of it rather than just observing or observing it it's it's a big part of what this technology can do and for me like i'm, I'm working i've been working on it for a while it was uh, shot in collaboration with fansha it's okay. um it's a it's a vr film where you experience it's it's using experimental film cinema like techniques and stuff to make you experience um the mental state of alzheimer's patient oh, um mm. so you go through different scenes memories stuff i don't want to burn it it's uh, but this is something in the working and um with this one i'm, I'm exploring two things uh it will have two versions the um passive version where you are just observing it and living the dream or the mental state and then it's called noise or the interactive where you are gonna trigger different things in the scene so and all of that was shot on uh, nokia also um it's like actual 360 with actors and stuff so, um, so this is one of the things I'm, I'm exploring with, um, or experimenting with, um, and within my first masters, uh, I was working on the, experimenting with the notion of empathy and I created, um, it's, it's one of the applications, the gamified experience where you see through a headset, you see things as, and you hear things as, a. Uh, someone with uh, dementia would hear and see them. So I was okay. like, okay, how would it feel if you explore and experience the world like those people? So I'm actually telling you the story without even actually writing a story and telling you anything. You are just living the story. But you can so already picture is, it. Yeah, and this is my, this is where I feel like we can push the boundaries and you know bring the narrative uh, uh, into new, you know. Uh, in a new shapes and forms. And I think you remember like once I was even um, presenting in one of the classes in our, uh, was it communication theory class or was it aesthetics? I can't remember. Uh, but I was talking they're, about... they're, they're similar, <laughs> but it's one of them. Yeah. And it was like, I was presenting about cyborgs and I was like, what if the performer That's... becomes the narrative? It's not anymore you know, a story and a performer. They become one because of, you know, the whole uh, cyborg uh, kind of hmm. uh, performance. Just, just breaking the boundaries of what we think storytelling and our expression all the, and performance all is. It's all kind of converging now. Exactly. It's interesting to think about, like, people are so affected by movies or TV shows and dramas specifically, right? Like, they can have such a big impact on someone's life. But that's just something you're watching on a screen. Um, I guess I never thought about it before. It's like, what if you you can augment and add to that experience so much? Like if there was just a way to, if someone had never 
like you said, if someone had never in, had a loved one who had Alzheimer's, they could put on a headset and see what it was like. Then they could then be so much more compassionate towards those people. And it could have really wonderful trickle down effects like that we that similar trickle down effects that we've had in movies and things, but so much stronger. Yeah, that's very, that's very true. Um, yeah, I think it's we, we just need to be open-minded to it. Like I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about others. Like I, I need to be open-minded and keep looking for new opportunities because sometimes we get stuck into our comfort zone, zones and it's the more I push myself out of my comfort zone, the more I learn. Like I remember in in uh, the physical, my first ever physical computing project was, I'm still trying to publish that one. I didn't, I didn't submit my papers, but it's going to, hopefully it's going to be published. It's, <laughs> uh, it's a robot uh, that dances tango and then communicates with you through a haptic vest. So you try to dance together through haptic oh, wow. vest. So, yeah. I'm not gonna tell so much details because I need to publish it first. So, but yeah. but yeah, there are different ways of interacting with technology, and you know, it's interesting. A lot of the things you're describing, for me, they remind me of Disneyland and Imagineering, because I feel like that's what Disney. That's the most amazing thing about Disneyland is they have all these new, groundbreaking ways to experience a story. You think of um. I used to go to Disneyland like once every few years because I had family in California and there was this um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids ride and it would like blow air on you and lift you up in the air and bubbles would come in when it was snowing. And it's, I mean, it's, it's very primitive, right? But it it adds so much to the experience. And, and the things they're doing now with like the wonderful world of Harry Potter and perspective issues, do you, are you, do you get any inspiration at all from Disneyland or Disney World? Because I feel like as a layman, again, that is the first thing that pops into my mind. Um, no, actually, it's it's a very good example because um, Disney, in specific, is very interested in those new forms of storytelling. And she's one of the the pushing forces, the people who are investing a lot into research in that field. Me personally, as a kid, I was so inspired by Disney. But as an adult, I try to get rid of all my, you know, biases and all my inspirations because I'll start thinking a certain way. So I try always to get to clear my mind. Yes, it's it's very nice. And I love those things. Like, I love Disney. I grew up watching, you know, Disney cartoons. And, and my dream was going to uh, Disneyland. And interestingly, I've never gone there. But it was always, as a kid, my, you know, it was our dream trip. But then... As I learned more and more, I started thinking that maybe I shouldn't um, be focused on one way of things, maybe be open to other ways, mm -hmm. if, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah, well, it's interesting how, like, not to get too academic, but I remember, like, you know, awesome, um, the, the theorist Jean Baudrillard. 
and how he kind of references like places like Disneyland, all these big theme parks, they are simulated realities in and, in and of themselves. They're meant to be that way. They're meant to be immersive. Like one that comes to mind that I want to go to is the Star Wars land that they have at Disney called Galaxy's Edge because it immerses you in that whole universe that was created by George Lucas. It's real. It's tangible. You see people in, in costumes and like the whole aesthetic of it is meant to make you feel that you're a part of this place. People in costumes, everything else. So it's interesting to see that. But like we see so many examples of that. Like, for example, there's an Eiffel Tower in Las Vegas that's meant to kind of add to that sort of perception as well. So it's something that we see all around. It's not just based in a technological sense. Yeah. And I'm I'm very similar to what you were saying in the fact that like I sometimes make a very conscious effort to not consume too much media of things that I am producing myself. Because I feel like it's going to, in some ways, corrupt my creative process, honestly. I, I like consuming a lot of media that is very ancillary connected, tangentially created, but never exactly what I'm doing. Um, there's always people that I think are doing things that I may like to do at a certain point. But the thing that I'm doing right now, I don't really want to be watching a lot of someone else doing that because I want to develop my own vision. And I want to make my own mistakes and, you know, like find my own voice that way. Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting you're mentioning, like you're saying, you don't want to consume so much media because just um, I think three, four days ago, I was talking to a friend and I was like, I feel I like I'm at, nowadays, I feel so much that I want to produce something because I feel somehow because of everything that's happening and all that, you know, the rhythm of life around us, um, I started become more of a consumer while I am supposed to be a producer. So I always remind myself, don't because so 100% I agree. Like, um, I think the same way that I always have to think, okay, I'm, I'm a producer. It's good to consume, but not to turn into a consumer and just be, you know, led in a certain way. But do you also find, and I'm curious to get your take as well, Ryan, that you can go too far the other way and be so focused on production that like, you, you're not getting inspired as much by anything. And I, I feel like that's kind of a way that you can burn out. I felt found myself approaching that at some points where I'm like, oh, I just need to see someone do something great and just enjoy it and not and let some of this pressure off of myself. Right. I'll let Awesome start with that. I'll follow that up. I thought the question is for you. Sorry. I'm oh, it's for me? <laughs> well, it's for both of you. I mean, yeah. I, I think I think you do need to consume a certain amount, or at least I do. I'll speak for myself. Um, to like rekindle that inspiration and that love because when all the pressure is on you, it can get exhausting. Yeah. I think like something, it's something I always try to challenge myself. Like, like I'm always looking for new different types of media to watch all the time, even though like, I won't think right away, like, Oh, maybe that won't appeal to me, but I want to watch it anyway. Cause it might be the best thing I've ever seen. I, you don't know that I've always, because I never want to stuck my, get myself stuck in like a sort of, pigeonhole in the sense that I'm just watching the same things that have the same themes all the time like you see that sometimes across some artists or some work that they're just telling the same story the same or the same themes of those stories but always in a different way but still the same themes and I don't know the way I want to try to view myself try to create the work that I want to do it's always wants to be something different whether it means different genre or different types of storytelling different types of you know just creative projects in general. I just want to try to be 
as dynamic as possible. I understand what you mean because like you don't want, you want sometimes like I get that too. Like once I start producing stuff, it's very very hard to stop, and you just want to keep going over and over and over. I've mentioned before how I how I stayed up till three four a.m. either writing something or editing something. Or like, you know, like I probably go do a shoot that probably should take two hours. And I'll be there for five hours simply because once you're there, you're in that space, like all the possibilities, you just see everything that you could do, different types of camera angles, lighting. Uh, once you see the actors go, you realize, oh, you could play this off in different types of ways. So you do different t- takes of the scene. And yeah, like, of course, and I'm, I'm also working a full time job as well. So balancing my creative pursuits and you know work and just having time to relax and just being able to appreciate new types of work, you know, cause I don't want to like, you know, like I've looked at movies so often enough, but the nice thing is like when I discover something new, like I'm not studying the movie as the first time I'm watching it, I can just enjoy it. Like I'm not thinking, mm-hmm. Oh, look at that cut or, Oh, the music cues in at this scene or, you know, Oh, look at the lighting. Like I could just appreciate the work as the artist intended for me to appreciate that work. So it's, it's always about balance. And that's something I'm going to connect to my into the spotlight at the end of the episode, but it's just finding balance and finding time, knowing when to work, when to produce, um, when to just relax and be able to, just take the time to find new things and to appreciate them. Not looking for things just because you think you need to know this thing to help you down the line. Just find it and discover it because you appreciate it. Like I've just discovered um, the Before Trilogy, which is a, a trilogy of films by Richard Linklater. And I've just been learning all about the, his films and Boyhood, among others. But the Before Trilogy is just such a wonderful trilogy of films that I just just seeing like you know they're just movies about talking but the way that the narratives are formed and the way it's so natural and the way you can just become so engrossed in the fate of these two characters of how they fall in love how it starts again and then you catch up with them years down the line over all the challenges that you went through i just love that and learning about how they were made and just seeing how like it was just like a small intimate effort and how it's created something so timely and timeless just just amazing so it's just about I know I'm going on a tangent here, but it's just about finding ways to balance my life in a way where I can produce and be very happy and fulfilled with the work that I'm doing. I don't want to feel like I'm rushing doing the work. You know, I don't want to producing this because, oh, I just have to produce something because it's time to have something out there. It has to be something. What did I say something? And did I say what I wanted to say? And am I happy with it? Like everything, I never want to look back on a piece of work that I may be and say, I regret this. I never want that. That would be the worst thing that could ever happen. I want to look at everything that I looked at. And regardless of how it's received, I just want to feel, wow, I'm proud of this. I'm proud of the experience of making this. You know, that's what it's all about. So it's just about having that time to make stuff that you're happy with and that you're proud of and finding the time to just relax, live a life and appreciate new types of work and art and experiences. And you become not only a better creative, but also just a better person. Thank you for my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) It can be hard though when you're when you're like you said when you're in that moment of creation, and you f- feel like I'm in the zone. I just want to go, and I'm there right now. I I was so awesome. I was telling Ryan before we hit record. Um, I'm I made the uh, that quintessential wallet from Pulp Fiction, uh, the one that Sam Jackson has that mm. is explicit. So I'm not going to say it to keep our our clean episode. <laughs> um, and I edited the video uh, 
with the music inspired by Pulp Fiction, the Pulp Fiction soundtrack and a lot of the cuts. And me and my girlfriend actually reenacted the dancing scene with Uma Thurman and John Travolta. So it's it's a pretty big project um, for a YouTube video. And the past two days, I've just been like going, going, going. And I, I was like, oh, I need to go for a walk. Like this is, <laughs> I want to keep going, but I need to take a step away for a second. Jeez. And just real quick, I just, to show my film naivete, I had to look up Richard Link- Linklater. Like I, I had heard of him um, and I saw in his credits that he directed School of Rock, yes. which was one of my favorite movies as a kid. That is a fantastic movie. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I love I love that you mentioned the YouTube video because now all the listeners should have, uh, like under your podcast, you have to put the link for us to watch the, the small YouTube video you're yeah, working definitely. on. Oh, we will. It, uh, it should be coming uh, out um, tomorrow from, from the date of recording. I'll ah, send it to you. That's cool. Um, but yeah, like I, I want to actually ask you. You keep asking me questions and stuff, so I'm gonna ask you questions. Am I the only one who watches everything twice? Once for me, and once as as a professional or a creative person. Um, I I will say that I watch things multiple times. It depends on the mood. There are some things I watch to study, and there are things I watch just to enjoy. And it depends. Like you know, sometimes I will just watch something. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be like you know critically acclaimed all the time. If it's just something where I could just appreciate like the aesthetic of a movie, then yeah, I'll go for it. Like, like I know I feel like I I have the ability now to just switch my brain off and just enjoy it and not have to always constantly analyze it. But at the same time, I can also do that and still enjoy it. Like um, like I was just watching uh, what was it, um, The Dark Knight the other night. You know Christopher Nolan's you know, Batman film, but, you know, I just, I just enjoyed it. You know, I've seen it countless times, but I can still enjoy it. And it goes for all different types of movies and any other types of, even just video games as well. Like I could, and the other thing that's interesting about video games is that I play them and then some time goes back, then I revisit them. Then I realize, oh man, this was just such a great experience. Like everything from the writing to like, you know, the simulated reality, being able to enjoy it and just being able to interact with this sort of world. It's fun. And and sometimes, like I talked about this with Morley since I've came home, because I'm back in my hometown. And I'm just rediscovering things that first inspired me when I was 16, 17, 18 years old. And I've had like a, almost a lifetime of experience the last five years because I didn't have any filmmaking experience or a lot of people to learn from, you know, I'm a little, I'm in a little French Canadian French <laughs> fishing village, you know, not a lot of like you know, people with media experience. So, but I remember coming back and going through old journals for story ideas that I had and just being able to rediscover the things that made me passionate about, about this in the first place and to still be inspired by that. It's just so one, it's just like, a happy feeling because it feels like everything that I've experienced along the way, you know, from the good times to the more difficult times, like I still feel like I'm on the right path. I still feel very content with that. And yeah, just being able to go back to things like you don't look at, it, you don't cringe. You're just like, Oh, what the hell was I doing? I was young and I was stupid. I don't feel that. And I'm happy. I don't feel that I can look back and just be happy with it. And that's something I want to keep in mind going forward in the future is to always sustain that sense of just, you know, you know whether something works or doesn't work. Like, something I heard in an interview with Ethan Hawke on, you know, one of my favorite shows, Off Camera, where he says, you know, it's not up to you if it's good or if it's bad. 
you can always try work hard to make sure it's good, but the way people receive it, it's always about the experience of what you've done and that you're happy with it and that you said something. That's what it's all about. So, yeah, I can just go back to these things and just be happy with it. Yeah, 100%. Um, that's why, if, if, if you recall, I mentioned connection because I feel it's all about the connection. It's not about how perfect things are. Although we all fall into the trap of trying making everything perfect. And I remember it just reminded me of two things. One, one question I was asked, why did I come back to acting? And my answer was, and still until now, I don't want to look back at things 10 years later and say, I wish I've done that. So that's always my motivation. But the funny story you mentioned in games that I remembered, um, as a kid, um, I, I used to play, I was a gamer. Like uh, Now I'm considered old school gamer, like old stuff. And like Super Mario was a big thing in my time and right. all of that. So, so I used to play Super Mario. And my dad had, my dad was, um, um, used to buy every, every like recent technology at the time, like whatever is the latest he would buy it. So maybe that's somehow what uh, one of the things that inspired me. For sure, my mom was the biggest inspiration. I'm, I'm, I'm sidetracking a bit, but the story is uh, when I was pl playing Super Mario, I was like, I want to tell the story of this. Like, it's not there's there isn't much happening. I want to tell a story. I, interestingly, I remember this recently. And my dad had uh, bought um, um, an Akai um, video uh, recorder, which you can dub directly using a microphone. Uh, whatever you record, you can dub live or after it's recorded, and you can uh, record from anything you want. So I plug my gameplay into it, and I started playing and then editing it using the um, video recorder. Right. And then dub it with my own story. And I was like, this is one interesting form of storytelling. I should, and I'm planning actually to do something like, like that. I've, it's been something that I've done as a little kid. I was like seven or eight years old at the time. But it's very interesting what you could do with those things, you know? It's, uh, but it just came back to my mind. It's uh, the whole story about me. Like, yeah, I was a weird kid, maybe. Maybe that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all creators because we're all weird, and that's a good thing, and we should always <laughs> treasure that. But yeah, it's just amazing, like you said, how we can take like these old, just medias, and just remix it to our own ways. That's one thing that's so incredible about YouTube, and that's why I did my media uh, research project at Ryerson about a documentary on YouTube. It's just how people can indulge in this new form of storytelling and pulling from different pieces of media from everywhere. And along with their own passions and creative techniques, that's why I interviewed Morley. I interviewed Morley for this, and that's how we met and started this podcast. Eventually, was just learning how he's taking his passions and broadcasting out there to a worldwide audience was inspiring to me. Well, yeah, I mean, going back to what Awesome said and what you just said, in the fact that like connection is such a strong part of it. Um, when you get those comments on videos that are like, "This is." so cool like this makes me want to take my 3d printer and start making leather embossing stamps which are some comments i've been getting recently from recent projects or like someone says like i never thought about this like i really want to try this now that feels so much better than the converse which is when you post a video and someone makes some stupid comment about a little thing you could have changed and then they just kind of like 
crap on your entire project. Um, my, my girlfriend, she said something to me a few months ago that really stuck with me. And now I kind of keep in my head as a guiding mantra and the fact that you have to decide if the project is a success or a failure before you put it out. Um, because like you were both saying, you all you can do is make it and make it as good as you can. But at the end of the day, you have so little control over how it is received across like a worldwide audience. That is, there's so much luck there. Um, but yeah, all you can really do is be prolific. And it's interesting, like Ryan, you were saying like, I think it's it's always interesting to compare our points of view like more filmmaker versus YouTube, because I think with you, it's more like you want to get it just right. Whereas for me, I want to try to get it, at least for a YouTube video, like good enough to learn something from it and put it out and then move on to the next one. Like, cause my, my time skills are so short for each video, you know? Right. Um, so I can't, I am a perfectionist in some ways, but I really have to fight it all the time because I'm like, this isn't sustainable. I have to, to let my baby go and move on to the next one you know exactly i think sometimes we invest so much time into these projects that we do like i remember stanley kubrick once said like it takes almost two years to make a movie and two hours for someone to critique it and it's and it's hard sometimes like because we put so much effort and love into these projects that we do because we want them to be good we want them to feel not only just be fulfilling, but we always will want people to just see it and appreciate it as much as we can appreciate it. And sometimes it's just a. Sometimes I think the idea of criticism is worse than the actual criticism itself, because I can because we all have self doubt. It's only natural as creators to always have second guesses, and but once you put it out there, it's it, it doesn't matter what some people say. I always I'm always open to it to see where I can improve because I know I'm not perfect. There's so many things I can improve. That's the best thing I learned about my documentary. I got about maybe seventy five percent in the way that I first envisioned it, and, you know, and hearing critiques from it from people who have background in you know media production, saying, okay, that's what I learned. I know what if I were to do for the next one, I know what I have to do next, and that's why I'm doing preparing my next documentary. I know what to do next. So it's just you know, it's like you said, like. It's funny how we have those different types of YouTube versus filmmaking, but I think the core of it is the same in the sense that we just got to put it out there, let the world see it for what it is, and we can see it with a pair of fresh eyes over time. That's the one thing. The distance of time allows us to see our work in the way that it is instead of the way that we're hoping it could be or should be. And it just helps us become better down the line. Like It's always inspiring to see people's First work, it doesn't matter what type of creator that they are, a filmmaker, a YouTuber, an artist, an author. You just see their first initial works and then you see as to who they, you know, are now established. Like, you know, you don't no one ever says like, oh, that work sucks. You could see like the beginning of their artistic uh, identity in their earlier works and you see how they've been able to grow and mature their ideas and themes down the line. That's amazing. So there's nothing wrong with just, you know, starting where we are as amateurs or semi pros <laughs> and just building because we're just we're trailblazing trailblazing each of our own paths and you know we can be inspired by others and what we see and what we're able to you know uh, experience but you know all all we can do is just do the best that we can and we get a little bit better every single time um just before just to <laughs> building off of that idea because awesome your films 
you know, your short films like T for Tango, which is amazing. Can't wait to see it out online. And Paradise Falls. Like, these are really artistic films, you know, experimental in some ways. Like, you know, sometimes because I when I was first starting as like 19, 20 years old, like I was kind of like I didn't know much about the idea of artistic films. They were kind of like it was hard to grasp them. But like I have a much better idea of what they are now what they can be it's just about filming something and making it and expressing it even if it doesn't follow conventional narrative mm-hmm. you know and sometimes people could be like oh what's that all about and like, sometimes it can be hard to explain but what was like making those artist artistic films like for you at the, when you were making them like t for tango and others what was that like um as I said, it was, it's, I had a story. It's always been a story. Like, I want to tell a story. But how am I going to tell it the best way I could? Right. Um, just one thing, like, related to what you said, um, and it somehow ties into this. I 100% agree that we have to accept our imperfections. I think the beauty of things is in its imperfection. But somehow we forget about that. And this is something yeah. I keep reminding myself that the post, the most perfect thing is not that beautiful. The imperfections is what makes the perfect size of it looks even more beautiful. I think about everything in that sense. And I've made a deal with myself this year, actually, that because I have to accept that if I'm not growing and I'm not looking back at my films or whatever I've done and look at it and think, oh, what the hell was I thinking? then I'm not growing, that I'm still in my, you know, in the same state with the same mindset and everything. So I made a deal with accepting whatever I've done and be ready to, it's a term we say in acting, strip myself naked, being emotionally naked <laughs> and show my, 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 my weaknesses and my imperfections and even embrace all of those. There are films that I might release that I'm not, as proud of as other films, but I want to share it because I think one of the biggest problems we face nowadays because of all the social media, that tendency to think that things has to be, you know, everything has to be perfect. So I'm going to share like all the things that I've done, even my class exercises and stuff through my YouTube channel, just to show that it was a process. I've never been that perfect throughout. The problem, even when you look at professionals' resumes, they they omit lots of things just because the industry works onto like, oh, what's what's proper, what works, what not. And I was having this conversation with a, an accomplished director, and I was like, I'm not ashamed of my first film. It was garbage. <laughs> Excuse me for the for my language, but it's. I'm proud of the effort I've done at the time, and I'm proud that I see it that way now. Because at that time, I thought I thought this is my my most amazing creation. So, just to get back to your question about what inspires my 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 creations is the story. I'm always trying to tell a story. If there is a trailer on my YouTube channel for a reflection in my heart, this is a series of experimental. Uh, um autobiography of myself in a very abstract way so that's one for example is dedicated to my wife and Uh, if you look at the colors the way i'm doing things i'm trying to tell you something through everything that has been done in the shots i think of that even in the composition of the frame and that's why i keep reading research and stuff and about how if, if i'm 
making a film like composition wise what am i trying to tell you why is this in the frame why i'm using this those color schemes why am i even using this type of music why there's no music why there's no dialogue those type of things i'm, I'm always asking myself why am i telling it if i can tell the story mm-hmm. without it then it's not required so so this is how i always think um, of it i remember like you showed me once one of your experimental stuff and it was very interesting. There was no dialogue, dialogue, but it was a very nice story to me. I enjoyed it because you told me something about the space. So I think we all share it. It's just being aware of the whole process. I'm trying to educate myself on the process. I think it's a whole lifelong journey where you try to educate yourself throughout of what's the process, what's the what's my process, because my process might be different than yours. And I'm interested in hearing your processes. It's 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 like we always say on the show. It's always a process, <laughs> and just hearing that from you is amazing. That short film that you mentioned that I did—that was the first short film I ever made uh, at university. I was nineteen. It was called Arrête de Monde, where like I know it was just an idea that I had because it was the first time I ever moved to a big city and I'm feeling all these anxieties about it. And it was just about seeing that and exploring like the Montreal underground and the city that way. And I don't know, like you like said, I don't know how that came to me. It was just these different ideas and what I was feeling at the time. And when I watch it, I, I can picture everything of what that time was like. So yeah, yeah, it's just, it's funny how it, how it just works that way. Even when you watch your own work. And like we said, we don't want to like get in our own stuck in our own wheelhouse, but it's sometimes it's nice to go back and see it with a fresh pair of eyes. And you can see, you can remember all the circumstances that led to that. And that's just, that's just gratifying. So a few things, number one, I, I, I do, I, I really like that point of view, like looking back on your old work and saying, I'm not ashamed of this, but if I feel like I'm doing a lot better now, then that's good. That means I'm growing and looking back, that's not the best thing that I ever made. That's a good thing. Um, and I think the other benefit you can get from looking back is fighting that always encroaching perfectionism. Like you mentioned, awesome, because you look back and you say, yeah, that's not perfect. It has these mistakes that I've been trying to fix over the, all the work I've done since then. However, it's still good. And like, I, f- I found it a lot as well looking at really old movies where the cuts aren't perfect and they just didn't have all of like the technological robustness and editing that we have now. So things were just, there was longer takes. There wasn't as much cuts. There was, the overdubbing was a little messier, but it doesn't make it a worse movie it still makes it um, emotionally affecting. Um, and that also brings me around to Ryan. I, th- I think you sent me that short film as well. I'm pretty sure I watched it. I did. Um, yeah. And it, it it also reminded me to bring back around to the awesome's question from a few minutes ago about watching movies twice. And one of the movies that I really felt like I had to watch twice was Donnie Darko. Because I watched it the first time this is, I'm sorry for anyone who hasn't seen the movie because I'm going to go a little bit into it, but I watched it the first time. Um, I thought the total opposite of what actually ended up happening was happening. I thought that the main character was losing his mind, but then it turns out in the end that it was really supernatural and there was this science fiction thing happening. So it ended up being a different story than I expected. But at the same time, I also like, it also made me feel feel very strong emotions that I had no idea like why I was feeling them. The reason Ryan, you reminded me of this is because that short film that you made, it reminds me of Donnie Darko some ways in its aesthetic and its vibe. 
And I felt like I had to rewatch that movie a few times to like figure out why it affected me so much. And I still don't know. It's very interesting. Um, I don't think it's like, it's not one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, it's not like it, the plot is incredible. It's But I, every time I watched, I'm like, this is the artistry of it alone. Maybe that's it. But huh. anyways, when there's movies like that, where I feel like it really gets me in some way, those are the movies I have to watch a few times. Because um, I think that's a really incredible thing when it can happen like that. Some great stories aren't very emotionally affecting. Some great stories are kind of boring, you know? Yeah, well, it just depends. And every story is different that way. It speaks to different people. And so much of it is based on our own lived experiences and what we see is what we what we relate to. It's interesting about Daniel Darko. I've never seen it. So now I have to watch it and see and then compare it to, to, what I, to that old short film because now, now I'm just interested to see the comparisons in that. But yeah, but... I don't know. I don't know what else I have left to say. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's I mean, it's very. It's kind of non-linear. Um, you have an unreliable narrator, and you have. He, you think he has a mental illness, but you also think there actually might be some true supernatural things going on. So you're not exactly sure what is real and what is. You're not. always questioning, and that's like kind of driving the narratives. Like what what's the mystery? Like is it true? Is it not true? That's kind. Of, that's the hook, and then you're going with it the whole way mm-hmm. it's a cool movie for sure so awesome looking back on your journey and all of the amazing projects that you've worked on the experiences that you've had where would you like to see your awesome journey continue on to next well that's a tough question <laughs> um it's funny because you said earlier and i i related to this a lot that you you have a vision for the future but you don't have like a plan for the next year or so uh, correct me if i misquoted you or, or misparaphrased you but i feel similar to me to that yeah like i i have like long term and i have maybe one year but not further than that i have like milestones but they don't have like yeah i have to do this and then i have to do this and then i have to do i don't have this yeah. Because I, I I believe in flexibility. I believe in the the world changes a lot. Like a year ago, we didn't we wouldn't even imagine that we will be experiencing what we are experiencing nowadays. So I have to be accepting the the way the universe works because it doesn't revolve around me. I'm just part of a whole big dynamic that's happening in the world. So that's how I see it. Um, but for me, like what I always do and how I see myself. I think, who am I? I always ask myself, who are you? So for me, I have sides to who I am. And then how are they interrelated? So I think I am a storyteller. So that encompasses film, um, using technology for storytelling, writing, acting. I believe acting is one form of storytelling. I don't believe it's just, you know, I believe it's an actual form of storytelling. It's just interpret your, the actor interpretation of another story. And then you have research, which I love. I love researching into digital media and cinema. And then I have the teacher part of it, of me, where I like to mobilize my knowledge. So somehow all of this is me. This is how I see myself. I just see myself being honest to this, you know, composition of being that entity that you know 
that existence in other words um but while doing that i'm like one thing that you were talking about like um that i loved when you're saying like yeah the sound might not perfect and stuff for me sometimes like for example reflection in my heart all all uh, snaps from the life of a sing uh, of a single man all of it is based on me doing things so organically so on purpose the sound is not clean there and i've done it on purpose and i like to tease the audience i like to some people are like oh you it's not it's not clean why are you doing the sound because I want to be different. I want to see how would it affect you differently. And if, when you notice those, you know, organic things, I do believe they affect you emotionally differently. Because I read about empathy and psychology and stuff, and it's there are things that we forget through the process that we are, you know, we have emotions. We are the whole idea is connecting through emotions of what we are doing. And what I'm doing is not about me. It's about the audience. So I'm just what I, what I, what I see myself from now until I die is being honest to who I am and keep evolving and learning and, um, yeah, and meeting awesome people like you. So <laughs> that's, I think it's a pretty good answer to lead us into what we're putting into the spotlight this week. Um, Sounds good. awesome. Since you are the guest of honor, would you like to kick that off for us? Uh, okay. So you want me to say one thing that inspired me? Would you remind me? Sorry, I missed that part. So it's about anything that can inspire you or something that has inspired you. It can be any work that you just like to highlight. It could be someone or it could be a, a book or it could be a film. It could really be anything. Anything that you think about that inspires you. Or something that you just like to highlight that like, oh, check out this because this deserves attention because it's amazing. Okay, so it's for everyone to 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 look and check out. Yeah, right? Check yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anything like that. It could be oh. anything at all. It could be a work that a book that you read that was so impactful. It could be anything at all. Okay, I'm gonna tell you something very weird. Um I believe kids, little kids just learn from them I'm, I'm i learn i keep learning from them being um as creative person i think they are the best example of what creativity is like um and why i'm thinking this way it just came to my mind to be honest um, is my niece she actually triggered uh, recently in my in my uh, creativity she was doing something with uh, printing on on silk Okay. And uh, I got back into calligraphy. I used to do it as a kid, and I got back into it because I saw her doing this small creative thing. Um, they are fearless. They keep moving forward regardless. Uh, whatever happens, like you see, I think the the ones who are really even with the whole pandemic thing that we are experiencing nowadays, the ones who are the most relaxed, the most productive, who are living their lives normally regardless of everything, are kids. So. I don't know if that's a good answer, but mm. that's what I, what's inspiring me nowadays. No, it's a great answer like because it. we like the best thing about that is that they see the world purely, you know, just they they bring so much enthusiasm, and what they see is what it is, and that excitement is so real that it almost can't be replicated. So yeah, no, that's a great answer. They're very curious. That's yeah. a big part we we forget about uh, ourselves. Curiosity, I think, is a is a is a treasure if you know how to 
to keep it going. And and not cynical, which is I think huge. Yes. I think one of the worst things that happens as you grow up is you get more cynical, and that's something I'm always trying to fight. I think one way you can define creativity is not being cynical of your own ideas. And I think kids are a great example of that. 100%. All right. Well, I'll go next because um, it is, is a little related to that. Um, so this this is something that reminds me of the beauty of imperfection, like we were talking about earlier. So it's a short film. It's called It's Such a Beautiful Day. Uh, it was made by Don Hertzfeld. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. Um, it's it's really amazing. So the it's animated, but it's animated in a very like interesting style. Um, it looks almost hand drawn. There's a lot of uh, very crude vignettes, and some parts are almost uh, like collages. And it's the story of a man who is kind of uh, going through some mental disorder, and he kind of like loses his mind and then kind of rediscovers life, sort of like you were saying, Awesome, from that childlike perspective, seeing like, isn't the world amazing? Um, and kind of like Donnie Darko, it's one of those things, at least for me, and I know a lot of my friends who have watched it, you watched it and you find yourself crying and you have no idea why. It is, it's absolutely beautiful. I think it is something that um, everyone should watch. It's a great work of art. Um, it's very positive. It's funny. There's some really funny parts. Um, if you haven't heard of Don Hertzfeld, he's also, he's a very interesting guy. I haven't looked too much into him, but he's, he made that little short video of the stick figure holding the spoon saying like, my spoon is too big. <laughs> um, he might've also made salad fingers, but that might be a misattribution. Anyways, um, check it out. Um, I, I want to keep plugging this into my brain, the beauty of imperfection. Cause I think it's something I really need to remember. I think a lot of the anxiety in my life comes from like trying to pursue perfection where I don't need to. And in a, in a thing where it being imperfect would make it better than being perfect. Like you said, those things are better most of the time. Yeah. And before just, I get to mind, just building off that idea. Like I've had those insecurities for a long time. Like when I first started getting to filmmaking, like I, like I always had an idea of storytelling, writing, learning filmmaking was a process because I didn't have experience to learning, you know, cameras, editing systems, lighting, uh, audio, like, you know, it takes time to learn all those things properly. And if there's anyone out there, like, don't be afraid to be imperfect because we all have those insecurities. They can't, they get dimmer and dimmer, but they never totally go away. But you can get to a point where you're confident because you know what you have to do because, those you've learned from those imperfections and you can just keep building that way you know that's something i'm happy with about my journey was just maybe not as awesome as awesome's journey but just being able to look back and even through all the tough times it was so worth it because i won't be where i am now if it wasn't for that so that's pretty much it to get to my into the spotlight for this week it's a bit timely we're recording this on november 7th and the newest president of the United States was just elected. And I'm not saying that to be political. It's just because in recently, because of this week, I've been thinking a lot about leadership and what leadership means. And I wanted to highlight a book, one of my favorite books, because I'm a massive history and politics nerd, is Team of Rivals, The Political Genius of Abraham Lincoln, which is a book by the historian Doris Kearns Goodwin, and examines so much about Abraham Lincoln's life and how his time in politics 
because I've read I've been reading biographies of historical figures for ever since I was like 12 years old and learning about his life and how not just his ideologies, but his philosophy of how he was able to bring in rivals, politicians that he had bitter campaigns with to bring them into his cabinet to achieve great, great political achievements like passing the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery. What I love about this book is that it's always about, and what Doris Kearns Goodwins does in all across her historical work, is examining qualities of leadership. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because these are, are facets that we can bring into every part of our lives. You know, it's something, especially as creatives, I've said over and over again that filmmaking is a team sport, and I know I sound like a like a broken record, and I don't care because it's true. <laughs> it's very true because, especially as for amateur filmmakers or you know no budget independent minded filmmakers, you have to work together. It's always about or any other. It doesn't have to be filmmaking, whether it's in music or anything that you know requires working together. You need that. You need to be bring a, a sense of leadership to everything that you do. Because when you bring everyone together, you know, like don't always see people as rivals, you know, work together. They work on your projects, you go work on their projects. And when you bring people together that way, and you all support each other, and you can do amazing, incredible work, incredible art, incredible films. And that's what it's about. It's always about understanding being a leader, being open to other people's ideas, open to different types of experiences, not being afraid of failure and understanding that you're working as a cohesive unit where everyone's respected and where you each bring each of your talents and being able to showcase that and being able to create work in a way that you can all feel part of and connected to. So my Into the Spotlight is this book, but it's also about being a leader in all the creative activities that you do and all the people that you have the honor and privilege privilege to work with no matter what level that you're at 100 percent love it uh, drops uh, mic <laughs> no i 100 percent love it because it's a big part of why it's it's a big part of the problem we have in creative industries is that amateur or new generations of creative people forget that this is a profession like any other profession and you have to have mm-hmm. the qualities as a leader as an you know professional so 100 percent um i can't add to what you've just said so i'm just saying that i love it well i mean it's just i mean i think just to wrap everything that we've been discussing about you know about expanding and getting new perspective across different types of work not being afraid to revisit your old work to experiment in different ways, to not be afraid of criticism, of failures, and being able to do new, th- experience new things, and to bring leadership to everything. I think these are all aspects of what being a creative is, and these are all things that can help us be better creatives, and also just better people in general. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think maybe the world's a little better off if we can just be conscious of those things and just always be willing to grow and adapt and just be as awesome as awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, um, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. This was, um, this is a really great conversation.
Thank you. Thank you for inviting me again. And uh, yeah, I loved it. It's uh, was so enjoyable. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time. It was such an honor meeting you at Ryerson. I'm really excited to see your next work. I'm already timestamped the date for when you're going to be releasing your short film T for Tango. <laughs> because like, I like to see more of your work. You're someone that like is very interesting, who's had amazing experiences that I like to learn more from and hopefully maybe work with down the line. So good luck in everything. Thank you for sharing your awesome journey with us and good luck on the next steps. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. If people want to see your work or um, some of your upcoming projects, where would they be able to do that? Uh, website, social media, where can they find you? Okay, I'm quite active. So um, first of all, I'm planning to start releasing my films. I think one film a month starting December and each one on a specific meaningful date. So um, T for Tango is planned to be released on um, December 11th, which is the International Day for Tango and then and so on. Um, to find me, it's my my name, awesomechroma.com and awesomechroma on all social media as me on Facebook, on Instagram is my most favorite right now I, because I can share videos and stuff there and stories and uh, yeah, and Twitter. So you will find me everywhere. Awesome Chroma. My name. Great. Appreciate it. I will link all that in the show notes so people can find it. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Enjoy all it. right. Until next time, guys. Take care. <laughs> okay. Have a great Bye. night.